you think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can huggle. Time travel stories and... At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took... I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Fates Decide. Um, I'm your co-host, Liz, and I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, Mary and Sam. Say hi. Hello. Hello. Okay, so in this episode, we are going to talk about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is the fourth book of the famous Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling. Um, it also has an accompanying film based off of the novel. So as you would imagine, this episode, there's going to be spoiler alerts, spoiler alerts. Um, if you haven't watched the movie or read the book, I don't know why you're listening to this episode right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, this is so, so fair warning, we are going to be discussing the film and the book. So if for some reason you have not watched or read this, then you will want to avoid this episode until you do. You have been warned. Okay, so shall we begin? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth book of the series was called Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The movie came out in 2005. I'm not don't actually remember when the book came out. A few years before that is all I remember. Um, somebody find that information. Yep. <laughs> I got um, you. All right. Um, but as I said, the film came out in 2005. Um, and a short uh, kind of overview of what the book was about was it's set in Harry's fourth year in Hogwarts. Um, they are Hogwarts is playing is host to the legendary event, the Triwizard Tournament, which had not been done in what a couple hundred years, I think long time something like that it was a very very long time since they've since they've held held a turn tur this tournament the three schools that are participating in this tournament are obviously hogwarts we have bobatons and durmstrung and there will be one student from each of the schools competing in the in the tournament which is what is what the rules are um and the students are picked by using what's known as the Goblet of Fire. And the three champions that were picked were Fleur, Fleur Delacour for Bobatons, Victor Crumb for Durmstrang, and Cedric Diggory for Hogwarts. However, somehow Harry Potter's name gets tossed into the Goblet of Fire, and the Goblet of Fire spits his name out therefore making him the fourth champion of the Triwizard Tournament. And the tasks are very, very dangerous. They're very, um, they're using a magic that is more advanced than what Harry has learned. Um, however, at the end of the book and the movie, we have 
the return of he who must not be named Lord Voldemort himself. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the original cast is back for the movie. Uh, yes. Some additional. We have, uh, I'm going to say, like, in, in American, but I don't think that's actually how you pronounce his name, but Ralph Phineas. Um, I think he pronounces it differently. Um, I think it's but, pronounced Ray Fines. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, it's Ray Fines. Um, but he's Lord Voldemort. Yes. And then you have a young pre-Twilight uh, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> as said Diggory. And fun fact that I just read, apparently Henry Cavill tried out for Cedric Diggory and did not get the role. Yeah, he was too that old. That would have been interesting. That would have been, but he was too old for the role. Yeah. yeah. Although, uh, J.K., as from what I read was J.K. Rowley wanted Cavill to play Diggory. Oh. Only, he was, yeah. only he was a little too old and too mature looking for the role. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So, this is the biggest, at, at this point when this book came out, it was the biggest book made. Uh, it was a crazy big. I was looking up when it came out. I don't understand why I can't find it. The book came out in 2000. July, okay. July 8th, 2000. And yep. it's 636 pages. So there it was go. definitely the biggest, the biggest book uh, so far. And definitely was a turn to the dark. I don't want to say the dark side like Star Wars, but like it, it was dark basically yes yes and they definitely showed that in the movie um so going through i already picked out some uh some differences between the book and the movie i thought that this one was the first one where there was more changes but honestly going through a lot of these it was nothing again like terrible Um, right again there's there's one book when we get there, you're going to just hear me sighing in, in frustration at the amount of crap that they left out of the movie. But uh. And I, I know exactly which movie, which book and movie we're going to be talking about then, because it's the same one for me. Yep. Yep. Still got a couple to go. Yes, we do. <laughs> but we will get there. Um, in the film, the opening scene shows the character Barty Crouch Jr. in the room along with Voldemort and Wormtail. However, he's never mentioned in the book as being there. So, nothing crazy. In the book, Harry wakes up at Privet Drive, where he lives, and it's two weeks before September 1st. But in the film, he wakes up at the borough, which is where the Weasleys live. And so they cut out a complete scene of the Weasleys entering through the, the uh, Dursleys' fireplace. And giving Harry an invitation to the Quidditch World Cup. And George and Fred messing with Dudley, which was actually, like, kind of funny. It was. Uh, with, I really with, wish you had seen this. Yes. They, they gave him uh, their ton-hung toffee. I have to say it slow. Because... Yes. Something that's also omitted is that they were already starting their own business with like practical joke things. 
that comes mm-hmm. along later in a couple of books, but like it's starting to get mentioned in this one. Yes. Um, with that, um, their older brothers, Bill and Charlie, that also went with them to the World Cup, not in the book or not in the film, excuse me. Let's see. In the book, Harry, Hermione, and the Weasleys watch the Quidditch match from the top box along with the Malfoys and other prominent figures such as Cornelius Fudge and the Bulgarian Minister of Magic. In the film, only the Malfoys got to watch it with the Minister of Magic and it seemed like the Weasleys, because they're quote-unquote poor, were up, you know, keeping the lights on in in the place. Only that make the Weasleys look bad. They do. Let's see. In the film, when the Death Eaters attack the Quarters World Cup, Harry gets trampled by a panicked crowd and then knocked out, resulting in him getting separated from his friends. Never happens in the book. Right. That, that is a lie. Dobby <laughs> is actually in this book. Yes. Not in the movie. No. Along with Dobby, there is Winky and all the other house elves that work in the Hogwarts kitchen and all of it's cut out along with Hermione's uh, what she calls SPEW which is the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare because she feels that elves are treated unfairly and it's actually a big part of the book Uh, important to the storyline which I guess I understand why they cut it out but huge part of the book and not not in there. Poor Dobby gets uh, deleted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Dobby. And I like um, Dobby. I know. Me too. Me too. I like He's Dobby. cute. <laughs> he was such well, a I mean, he also, he, Well, I mean, he also kind of helped out in one of the tasks, too, really. Yes, I'll yeah. get to that one. Yep. You're yeah. Right. You're right. Um, yes. Hagrid and Professor Trelawney are both still teaching their prospective classes. None of that is in the film. Oh, here's a big one that actually they kind of ignore altogether out of all of the rest of the books, but it kind of starts here. So Percy, who is um, the third brother of the Weasley family, right? So Mm -hmm. in the Philosopher's Stone, he was head boy of Hogwarts House. He was the oldest at that time. He was getting ready to graduate, blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. he actually starts working for the ministry not mentioned and the storyline of him betraying the family which we'll get into especially in like the next book and and all that yeah completely disregarded but it all starts in this book that he starts working for the ministry and the minister and then in the future books he actually like betrays his family stops talking to them like everything and they they just completely ignore it and actually, yeah. in the last book, it's it's a very sad part. And again, we'll get to that um, when he finally like kind of comes back. But yeah. So I wanted mm-hmm. to mention that because I know in the future books, we'll, we'll be talking about that. But yeah, completely disregarded. Rude. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, uh, Bo Battens and Durmstrong don't arrive until Halloween. In the film, they come day one. And technically, Bo Batten in the in the book are both genders, male and female. And in the movie, a, they appear to only be female. Yes, because but if you if you look at it, 
they didn't really mention they didn't really show it either, but Durmstrang was all male. Mm-hmm. Right. So 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 that was the um that that was the kind of like play off of even though they're both of the schools are both they have students of both genders in the movies, Bobaton seems like it's an all girl school while Durmstrang seems like it's an all boys school. Um, and here's one that's actually not on my list, but I actually just thought of it. So, like, the I don't know if it's all the bow battens or if it's floor specifically, but like, she's half, um, she's half Vila or fourth Vila, which is something that, um, because that was the thing. The that was one of the things where you find out about Vila's from the Quidditch mm-hmm. game, yes, because the Irish show the leprechauns as their mascot and the Bulgarians have the Vilas as theirs. Right. And unfortunately we did not see the Vilas in the movie. And so that's why it doesn't come up with um Fleur being being uh what she's either either half or fourth Vila. I think yeah she's like part Vila and like I can only yeah. compare Vilas to Siren. Thank you. But we're on Siren. the same page. Yes. So that's what I compare them to, where like they, without even really like trying, they like entice you, like you know, you men fall in love with them. So, yeah, yes. Ben, th- thank you. That's yeah. So back on my list here. Um. So when Harry's name pops out of the goblet of fire, and he goes and he walks to like the back room where everyone else is and in the movie Dumbledore kind of comes in and like shoves Harry into a table like yelling at him did you very put your name in the Goblet of Fire screaming at anti- anti-Dumbledore in the book he's actually very calmly asks him did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire which of course was no I did not he's like um, okay they did and we've got to we've got to deal with it yes in the film, Sirius Black, who we met in the previous book slash film, yes. um, only appears on his arranged meeting with Harry through the flu network when his head appears in the fireplace and it talks to Harry, which is a very weird scene. In the book, though, the trio, so Harry, Hermione, and Ron, personally visit him and Buckbeak in their cave which is in a mountain by Hogsmeade, which is the neighboring town to Hogwarts that, like, the older class gets to go and, like, visit. And Mm -hmm. Sirius is also invited by Dumbledore into his office near the end of the book when poor poor Harry is in distress. And, okay, that's when it's revealed to Snape and Molly Weasley that he is working with Dumbledore and while he stays in his dog form in front of the others. Because if you remember, he is a doggy. So that's how he's able to stay with Harry while Harry's recovering in the hospital at the end of the movie, is staying like a, he's he's a dog. Yes, because he's an he's what's known as an animagus. Animagus, yes. I want to be an animagus. He, he's an... Actually, technically, he's an illegal animagus. Yes, yes. Think he went into that in the third book, or is it later on? I don't remember when they talk about him learning how to become an animagus. I think Doesn't they talk. Be- I think it's this book because that's this book. Yeah, because towards the end we find out there's somebody else that is technically an illegal animagus. Yes, and that's on my list too. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. you. <laughs> so, 
but like I said, we will get to there. I'm not going to name names just yet. Um, so Hagrid and Madame Maxime, Ma Madame Maxime is in charge of the Bobatons. Um, during the, I think it's Maxime. It's Karkoff and Maxime. Okay. Yeah. Um, Madame Maxime. During the Yule Ball, they're taking a stroll and they're talking. And in the film, they cut out a huge reveal for Hagrid. And that's that he's actually half giant. And he mm -hmm. implies that Madame Maxim, um, oh my God, I almost said it again. Maxime is one too. And she gets really, really angry with him because, like, that's like, you know, almost like right. a diss. Like, how dare you? And, like, leaves him. And that's when Harry and Ron, because they were spying, found out that Hagrid is half a giant. In the film, they completely ignore this. And as a result of that, uh, Rita Skeeter, who's a nasty reporter, publishes an article exposing Hagrid's condition as a half giant. So he runs away. And he goes into isolation in his cabin for weeks at a time. And as a result, another professor, uh, Grubbly Plank, replaces him for his classes. None of that in the movie. Poor Hagrid. Here's Dobby, again, is actually the one that gives Harry the gillywig. Gillyweed, excuse me, gillyweed for the second task mm -hmm. uh, in, the in the lake. And in the film, mm -hmm. they have Neville do it. I think it was just yes. to give Neville some camera time. Exactly. Well, at that point, Neville was starting to um, have a glow up. Yes. In the movies, anyway. Oh, my God. Well, so I have a whole... Th we'll get into it after I go I finish this list. I'm almost done. But with the whole thing with Neville, that, like, annoys me. Not Neville, the character itself, but, like, what they did with him. So... Right. Um, okay. So apparently Barty Crouch Sr. is like crazy in the book and actually like attacks Victor Crumb at one point. Not in the film. Before he dies. So not in the film. So when Harry looks in the pensive where he like, you know, floats down and he, he like drops into like a, a memory. Mm -hmm. Um in the book, there's actually three different events that he watches. He watches Karkaroff's plea deal, Ludo Bagman's trial, and the trial of four dark, dark wizards, among which is Barty Crouch Jr., accused of torturing the Longbottoms. This is when we find out the Longbottoms is actually, are actually still alive. Um, in the film, they only, sh they only show Karkaroff's plea deal. And Karkaroff accuses Barty Crouch Jr., who is in the crowd. But that's not actually how, how it actually went down in the memories. They changed it to, again, ignore the poor Longbottoms and Neville. Of course. Um, in the film, Cedric's last lines are, who are you? What do you want? And then Wormtail, you know, shoots him with the killing curse. In the book, Cedric didn't say anything he got attacked by surprise he he didn't see it coming yeah yeah poor cedric yeah. avada kedavra <laughs> um in the book the beams that connect between harry and voldemort 
uh, wands actually turn gold, which they do in the very last movie, but in this one, not so much. Yeah. Um, that's actually important in the book anyway, because that's how, mm-hmm. you know, his parents kind of came back, the caretaker of the Riddle House came back, and then Cedric came back, like, um, Barty Crouch Jr. actually dies in the book. He gets the Dementor's kiss, not even mentioned in the film. It just basically implied that he was going back to Azkaban, but he died. Dumbledore and Fudge actually have a screaming match, <laughs> kind of, about Cedric Diggory's death, which they don't really get into until the next movie. But it actually starts at the end of this book where uh, Fudge refuses to accept the fact that Voldemort has returned. So, and then on the trip back home to London, Hermione basically tells them that he found out that Rita Skeeter is a beetle and a magus, and she has captured her. (laughs) And then (laughs) Harry and his friends end up stupefying Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. And Harry offering his tournament winnings to Fred and George for their store. Which, again, is all omitted from the film. And that is the end of what I consider the more, you know, specific. Obviously, there's other things, certain characters that aren't in. Um, right. But, again, that's always going to be be the fact. But uh, one, my whole thing... And we kind of talked about it a little bit last book when we were talking about the premonition or whatever. And obviously, once we get into that in, you know, in like two books or next book, next book, yes, whatever. Um, Once we get into that, like, you know, we'll go through it again. But basically, there was a choice between Neville and Harry and Voldemort went for Harry. And... In the book, Neville is still a huge part. There's so many things that they completely ignored in the book that have to do with Neville, uh, or they ignored in the films that have that has to do with Neville. And it all starts with this, where they completely ignore the fact that I think Bellatrix was one of the Bellatrix and her husband were one of the ones that they tried in when he was in the pensive, and. Uh-huh. Uh, about you know basically torturing the long bottoms in the films they make it seem like the long bottoms are dead they're not dead <laughs> they're they're not like i think it's the next no, book like we actually see them again um yeah they're in saint mungo's and it, it's you know like it's sad like your neville is actually a prominent character in the books and they completely ignored him in these movies, except for like little things, until the last like movie, the last movie is when he finally gets his time to shine. I know, and no he way. doesn't even get that much time to shine in the last movie, sadly. Yeah, like it's just like it's annoying. I'm just saying. I know. Well, the thing <sighs> with this is that Neville has been through. He, he, I know they always say it was the trio, but it was really almost always a quad because Neville was almost always there. Yeah. In one way or another, whether he was trying to stop them from doing something or helping them do something, mm-hmm. Neville was almost always there in the books. Yeah. 
And the yeah. fact that they, they near, damn near cut him out in the movies, just that just, anno- I like you, Sam, that annoyed me to no end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a suspicion, well, that part of it has to do with the fact that at the time they were doing some of they were doing these movies like she was still writing the series right so they didn't know so they don't necessarily know what is the significance of certain details that she included because like 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 a good example is like peeves like pretty much doesn't almost doesn't exist in the movies um doesn't exist in the movies what are you talking about i thought he I thought he cameoed. No. Mm-hmm. He was not in the movie. Deleted it. They deleted all of the scenes. Oh, that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah. anyway, like Peeves doesn't really exist in the movies, you know, but cutting him out doesn't affect too much because even when he showed up in the books, he was still more of like a background, you know, uh, you know, bit of humor. Uh in you know in certain scenes in the books but he doesn't really affect any of the plots he's not a huge plot point that seriously mattered a lot so them cutting him out didn't really hurt anything per se i mean it made it made possibly less funny but you know doesn't really affect anything but i think some of their cuts you know, didn't make much sense in in the grand scheme of things because they probably weren't aware of what was significant about any of these things. Like I remember, we'll we'll talk about it in the fifth when we get to the fifth book. But like I remember, they 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 almost cut out um, creature, thinking that like there's nothing important about creature, or like certain scenes with cre- that's supposed to have creature in it. But then I think J.K. Rowling came back to them when she found out about it. And, made it very clear that you need to have him in it because I think at the time they were working on the fifth movie, she was working on the seventh novel or she was about to start in the seventh novel and she already planned it out more or less what was going to happen in the book. So, or the sixth book or something like that. Uh, So it's the the last book. Yeah. The seventh book. Yeah. It was the seventh book. But anyway, so she, wanted them to make it very clear you have to make sure you include this character this elf in it because he is very important um you know in the final two books like especially the final books so you can't cut out this elf and then suddenly stick him in when you do it right right and like you know part of me like understands the difficulty of that you know and like when you start a series like this when not all the books are written because you don't know what characters are going to show up again or like whatever. So like, I completely understand that. And like, yeah, they probably didn't realize the significance of Neville in the last book. Um, But still like she made him a significant point in the, in each book pretty much like, and you just ignore him. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree that, that, that doesn't make much sense because it's not like it's like I was saying, like with Peeves as an example, he's not just like the funny character that does these goofy things, you know, that that's amusing, but doesn't really do anything to the plot. I mean, mm-hmm. versus Neville, who isn't just 
another classmate that happens to be in their classes and he gets like one random line right you know per book or something yeah just yeah. to just to fill it out so um yeah so like i remember like i still remember from the book when they were doing that um scene where they were learning about the unforgivable curses mm-hmm. poor neville like was so Right, because that's it, it was a bit of a we mystery. learn yeah. we learn what happened to his parents. Yeah, yeah, it was the um, uh, what is it, Cruciatus curse? curse? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it was Cruciatus curse is what is what it was that is uh, that um, performed on his made, parents. Yeah, performed on his parents made him. Yeah, yeah, it it pretty much made him an orphan. Yeah, I don't know if matched from book to movie. I can't remember. With Victor Crumb and Hermione, because I know in the in the book, Victor Crumb shows up again in the last book, and they didn't do that in the seventh movie. So, but Victor Crumb basically like fell for Hermione, and this is when you actually start seeing Ron Hermione like thing, you know, tension kind of uh, where Ron is very jealous of Victor. Yeah, I mean. I kind of only remember in the book that the only time you were even aware that anything was going on was like when she showed up as his date mm-hmm. for the Yule Ball. But I don't then, remember. Like, after they hung out, I think. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't remember that either. Our memories are shy of this with I know it's but no, I didn't think this movie was too off the mark with most things um you know again it's not anything that they had taken out it didn't stop the importance of the story which was definitely that harry somehow harry's name somehow got into the goblet of fire he basically was forced into the triwizard tournament which wound up being the quad wizard tournament <laughs> since there was four of them but he was forced to to be in the triwizard tournament he makes it to the end, he, you know, basically we learned that he, it's, he, he didn't cheat, but it was cheated for him to get to the Goblet of Fire and basically bring Voldemort back to his full state. And that now, because Voldemort has part of Harry's blood, he can now physically touch him where before Harry was protected by, uh, from the spell that, you know, basically protected him when he was a baby because of his mom's sacrifice. So that no longer applies. That's, that's like the, the main aspect of the book. And they, they made sure that that was, you know, taken care of and, and in there, everything else was just, you know, semantics, I think nothing, you know, ruined it. I, I don't, I think this was like the first movie that a lot of people didn't like. And I think it's because a lot of things that they did take out, people enjoyed in the book, but, Again, I understand this book was huge. Again, like 636 pages. That's yeah. a lot of book to put into like a two-hour movie while still making sure that the basic plot is in there. So I I get it as a you know person that understands adaptations do need to change. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, th- this was like one of those books that kind of made you wish that uh, they had done Harry Potter the TV series instead. Yeah, well, right, yeah. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah. That would have been, well, I guess each book could have been a season. Could have done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have done like, yeah, you could have done like what Game of Thrones did, which was like a 10 episode season or whatever, you know. Yeah, Yeah, that's what a lot of them, I mean, The Witcher is only uh, eight episodes per season. Right. And but, I mean, you know, it's going to depend. Like, obviously, like, the first yeah. three books aren't that big. So, like, they could do, like, six or seven episodes or whatever. This book probably would have been, like, 10 to 15, depending on, you know, how much they added. You know, like, it, it's... But, uh, yeah. So, but I, I honestly, I didn't mind this movie. I enjoyed this book uh, a lot. Yeah. And, Same. you know, you, you definitely see that they're, they're growing up. You know, they're they're not little little babies anymore. Yeah, especially with that ending. Yeah. Isn't this the one where um Hermione punches Malfoy in the nose, or is that the next book? That was the last book. Yeah. Was that in the third book that she punched him in the nose? Yep. Yeah, because yeah. he called her he called her a mudblood again. Oh, that's right. She punched him in the nose. I like I like that. That yeah, get him. Yeah, it was like it was a scene like that that kind of reminds you why this girl got put in Gryffindor. Yeah, but this is the movie where Draco gets turned into a ferret. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he does. He gets turned into a ferret. He gets turned into a ferret, which obviously they showed in the movie, which was hilarious. <laughs> but in yeah. the book. Uh, Draco actually attacked Harry, where yes. in the movie it was before he could get to Harry. So, right, right, yeah. So, what did you guys think of book movie? Obviously, I liked the book better than the movie. I mean, the mm-hmm. the the movie was was decent, like you said. This one, a lot of the things they cut out were things that didn't weren't really necessary to move the plot forward. There were a few things that could have probably been added in and mm-hmm. made been okay, but. For the most part, it was pretty close adaptation from book to movie. So I wasn't too unhappy with it. I have to admit, there was one scene from the movie that I thought was really odd. The diff- Well, you didn't really talk about this in the list earlier of like the differences. But one scene that I thought was really... Well, it could just be a me thing. But like I thought it was really weird when they were doing the first task and then Harry was being chased by the dragon all over the place, like all over Hogwarts, which totally did not happen in the book. Like, um, I mean, I get it for the movie. It makes it more exciting visually having Harry being chased around by a dragon. But it's like, aside from the fact that it's not in the book, the thing is, is that there are th- there are details about it that doesn't make any sense to me at least like for one thing the how is the dra- it's like you have a huge dragon and you're telling me that you're using chains on it that can be broken that easily you would think that they would have used like the strongest magical chains they could possibly get on this thing to make sure that it doesn't do what it did in the movie yeah and they, yet, literally like there there was no struggle that thing was just like Crick. Right, broken. it's like it may as well be made of paper mache at that point. <laughs> so it's but like I don't get that. You you want to know what I like is everyone's just like sitting in the stadium, waiting. Like okay, 
Is he gonna come back? Like Harry could have been dead. Like exactly you know, whatever. That, that, and they're yeah. all just like do 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 do. That was that was, and another aspect of that scene that was like kind of like puzzling to me is that okay, um, so they were intentionally using nesting mothers because the whole point was you're trying to get the egg, but obviously if it's a nesting mom, the mom is going to try to protect the eggs because at that point she's not necessarily going to realize that there's an extra egg in there. She just knows that these are her eggs and this like tiny two legs. I was trying to get near my nest and I don't want it here. Right. So the, the one, I mean, again, this could just be me, but I just thought it was weird. Like why a dragon would bother chasing Harry as much as he, as, as much as it did, because, um, granted it is a dragon. It's a non-existent animal, but it's like, most other animals that are like nesting sorts, like when they see a potential intruder, they will chase it, chase the intruder away, but only to a certain distance just to make sure that they are gone. But they will hurry back to the nest to make sure that uh, there's not like a second intruder with the first one being a distraction kind of a thing. So it's like, if you're supposed to be a nesting mom trying to protect your egg or whatever, then, like, why would you be chasing your potential intruder, like, so far away from your nest like that? Which I thought was, like, kind of bizarre to me. But, again, it could just be because they wanted to make the scene more dramatic and exciting for the audience, which is, it just puzzled me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. But, like, there's there's certain things, and I don't know, maybe they just, like, you know, budget or what, but, like, the, in the movie, the maze, like, the last thing was so boring, where in the book, they had, like, a sphinx and, like, whatever, like, actually, like, you know, attacking them, you know, and in this one, it's just, like, it would close on you, <laughs> and vines would come out and get you. That was like the scariness of the of the maze, and, and like you know, I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, like even Hunger Games made it more, uh, you know, exciting to me. I mean, they right. they they threw freaking fireballs at you, like you know, it's uh, yeah, they could have done better. Could have done better, Warner Brothers. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like your fourth movie. Don't you have more budget money now? <laughs> Like, didn't the first three movies make enough money to, like, convince you to put a little bit more into this one? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know? But I have to say, how heartbreaking was it when Cedric Diggory's father was, like, screaming at the end, like, that's my son! And, like, was, like, howling. Like, I cried so hard. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, terrible and oh so realistic you know because you know it's like you're only i mean not that like having you know 10 kids or anything would make it less painful but you know it's like this is like your only kid and he's gone and he's gone it's like you it's only you and your spouse to you know console together i mean grant like but you know like i said even if you had 10 kids you know losing one kid is ne is is equally horrible 
It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, now you don't have, you only have your, your spouse to grieve with. Yeah. Okay. So before we close out, as usual, uh, we have an email address where you can send us questions, comments, uh, criticisms on how to improve our show. Um, you can email us at threefatesdecide at gmail.com. It's the title of our podcast, all in one word, and the three is spelt out. And you can also reach us on Instagram at threefatesdecide. The three is spelled out. And feel free to send us DMs. Let us know what you think. We love feedback. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.